Okay, welcome to the latest United podcast for the next instalment of the story so far. And an interesting story, especially coming into the transfer market, because his name definitely will be bandied about. So I thought it was a good time to throw his name in there and sort of revisit his United career, but not only his United career. Um, He has had a few clubs, even though we think of him as a one-club man. But um, Jesse Lingard, Larry, um, looking forward to this one? Yeah, very much so. Um, I don't think we'll be doing moonwalks or anything like that. But look, I think um, it'll bring up interesting conversation because Jesse Lingard's one of those players who splits the fan base, doesn't he? Uh, he's a, I won't say he's a maligned player, but I think if you talk to, if you get 100 United fans in a room, I think you will be split right down the middle around what's the opinion, whether he's a good player, whether he's a bad player, whether he should stay, whether he should go. So I'm keen to see where this conversation takes us. Yeah, well, we'll go through, like we have with the other players we've done, we'll go through their sort of their time at United, the ups, the downs, highlights, etc., but also the future. Well, obviously, Jesse has almost started his future already. He's spent last season on loan at West Ham, which we'll definitely touch on. But it will be an interesting one because the latest reports suggest that he is due back in Manchester. He might actually already be there. Also, Andreas Pereira is already at the Lowry Hotel. Donny van der Beek is back in Carrington, so... He's, he's expected back at Old Trafford, and whether that means Solskjaer wants another look at him or just maybe a sort of more personal chat with him, I'm not quite sure, but it will be very interesting. But we will start on sort of the stats and honours and appearances and everything. I've got them written down. He's made 210 appearances for United, scoring 33 goals. And obviously his honours, and this is just off the top of my head, I didn't look at this one, but I should, he's got a few community shields in there. But he has the FA Cup, which we'll obviously get into, the FA Cup winner's medal. Um, the League Cup, which he also scored in. He did make Wembley his home for a period of time there. And also the Europa League under Jose Mourinho, where he definitely did see his best football. But we will start at the academy, because he is a young academy graduate, and that is sometimes used as both a pro and a con when discussing Jesse Lingard. Sometimes it's used as a bit of a stick to beat him with, unfortunately. But we will look at it. Um, I'll first go to you, Larry, in terms of your sort of almost first memory of Jesse Lingard and almost that story going through because there's so many different ways to look at his progression through his sort of time in the youth te- in the youth setup. Mainly for me, you almost remember that photo of he's playing against Roma. It was, it was the under-16s or something and he was the same age or maybe a year less than some of his opponents. Mm. But it looked like a man versus a boy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do know the photo that you're speaking about. And Jesse Lingard, throughout his whole... Oh, his whole adolescent period, really. He, he's always carried a smaller frame. Um, he, and Lingard's spoken about this at length um, on Sir Alex Ferguson's opinion of him, where Lingard actually said um, the Scotman would actually say to him, well, he was still the manager at United to say, you'll be a late bloomer. Um, and that wasn't a criticism of Lingard, but it was simply due to his stature. He said, because of your size, you will be a player who becomes a first-teamer uh, when you hit the age of 21, 22, which is so interesting because you just see the way he eventually broke into the United side. That is how it eventuated. You just say, I remember on the last podcast we did about Luke Shaw, I was saying when I was fortunate enough to meet Luke Shaw in person and we are discussing his physique, I was saying, oh my God, this guy's an absolute unit. Like, how could anyone ever question his athleticism? And I've also been lucky enough to meet Jesse Lingard on a few occasions. And when you're standing next to him, the first thing you look, and I don't look at a man's legs, but twice my eyes have been directed straight towards his legs. And I'm telling you, they are stick thing. It's, it's amazing he hasn't broken his leg um, throughout his senior career. He is so slight. And it does come across in the way he plays. Um, he's not the most physical player. And again, that's not a criticism of him. 
But it, do you think, and I don't want to harp on that photo, but it is almost an iconic photo, but throughout his career, do you think his physicality, well, I'd say lack of physicality, but do you think that has played a part in sort of maybe him not seeing the heights that maybe some people did expect of him? I don't think so. Um, there's many reasons as to why Lingard hasn't perhaps reached the heights that perhaps others thought he may have had or doesn't have, but... You know, if if I were just to compare to an, another player in the in the United side, one Mata's not a physical player at all. Um, Paul Scholes, one of our favorite players, the least physical player I think I've ever seen. So I, I don't think well, it was no, Scholes a, was Scholes was physical. He was just in a dirty way. Well, yeah, but when I talk about physicality, it's a player who doesn't re- rely on his physique. Um, a player who can use his mind. Um, one Mata's probably a more sensible comparison, but. Lingard, I, I don't think that the physicality was an issue for him because when we saw the best of him at United, he was really good. So and his and his dip in form didn't coincide with a loss of physique or or anything like that. So no, I, I don't agree with the sentiment of no, he wasn't physical enough, and that's probably led to why he didn't reach his highest. And in fact, if you want to look at how it ended at West Ham, he re, he had a pretty damn good return. So I, I don't think the size is the stick I'm going to beat him with. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's big credit to Alex Ferguson. He has absolutely got it nailed on in terms of that progression into the first team. But as I said at the start of the podcast, we think of Jesse Lingard as this local boy who's come through and played for Manchester United his whole career, except obviously until this West Ham move. But he's someone who had, I think, four loans. Who are the clubs he went on loan to? He went on Leicester City, Birmingham, Brighton, and obviously Derby. So he did have he did bounce around clubs um, looking for that first-team experience. And I think on his first-team debut, he scored four goals. I think it was at Leicester or Birmingham, I forget. So um, he is a player where so many people do question the value of the loan system. They say almost if a United player is coming through now and he's sent on loan, we almost say, okay, well, that's the end of him. He's going to play the a year or two and he won't return. But Jesse Lingard is someone who has gone and bounced around a lot of clubs on loan, not just one, but as I said, four clubs, and then come back to United and had a very successful career. Yeah, 100%. And I think those loan spells were pivotal, even if you consider whether he stays or goes um, at Manchester United. I think those loans were pivotal in his development. We're looking at now at the likes of James Garner, um, Dylan Levitt, Ethan Laird, those better players, um, even if you want to go back to the class of 92, David Beckham had a loan spell. I, I think many players do forget that. You need to have those opportunities where you can go into a good physical league, such as the championship, and get that opportunity to play men's football, particularly when, like we already touched on, you're not the most physical player. Absolutely, yeah, he killed it. And it, it brought up that argument. I remember the David Moy season particularly. And Tom, you would have been there. Um, we got to see Lingard up close and personal um, in, in Moyes' tour when they came out to Sydney. Lingard in that preseason, I think he scored, it was either a double or a hat-trick against the A-League All-Star. Yeah, he scored two goals and one was yeah, a belting goal. Yeah, so he's always had this constant argument of, oh, is this the year he breaks into the first team? But as it showed, I think the loan spell did do him good because once he actually broke into the first team, he looked like a seasoned professional, not like a young kid who had the inconsistencies in his game. I think it shows where, and look, I completely agree, but I think it shows almost, I wouldn't say the culture of the club, but especially when Ferguson was overseeing the progression of young players, when they have an eye on a young player in the academy, they really sort of invest their time, and I wouldn't say money, they invest money into a lot of the, all their um, youth products. They all 
invest a lot of time and energy into some players. With Jesse Lingard, I really see that as one. Because one, the point you make there about Sir Alex Ferguson saying, look, I see a career for you in the first team, but it's going to take until you're 22, 23 years old. And the trust and patience with him out on loan. But also there, he was always in and around pre-season tours. He always came back, did a pre-season tour, then went away on loan. Um, and he's always bouncing around in those pre-season tours in and around the first team. So the club identified at, at an early age, when he was playing up an age group here or there, that he was going to be one for the future. And ultimately, okay, we can discuss how successful he has been. But ultimately, he's a youth player who came on and had a career at United. So ultimately, it is a success. And the club and Sir Alex Ferguson were very much right in their predictions. Yeah, definitely agree there. Well, what is the next? We'll go into, well, his debut. Um, it took him a while. Obviously, it wasn't the David Moyes. He did spend that season out on loan at Derby from memory. Um, someone correct, can correct me on that one. But his debut was Louis van Hal's first game at home to Swansea. <laughs> sort of an anti-climax. It was a 2-1 loss at home to Swansea at Old Trafford. But I remember that game, and he started, I think he might, it was on the right or the left, I forget, but he started at wing-back. And it was um, not a big controversy, but it was the first time United have ever really lined up with three at the back. Mm-hmm. And Louis van Gaal's first times, so we obviously saw what he did with Netherlands at the World Cup. And it was a real excitement around, obviously, some of the players that were signed or especially linked to at the time. But obviously, a young player coming through and finally making their debut, as Jesse Lingard was, albeit in a weird position. It was sort of a wing-back. But the reason I bring that up, one, unfortunately, he was injured. He actually got a, quite a serious injury. He sort of jarred his knee. And I can't even remember seeing him the rest of that season. I forget how that 14-15 season went for him. But the reason I bring up the wing-back position is, what position is Jesse Lingard? We've always had this debate. Is he a number 10? Can he, is he more of an advanced number 8? Is he a winger? Is he a false knight? Like where do you see Jesse Lingard? Because I'm such a big fan of him, but even I don't know. I wouldn't have a clue what his best position is. <laughs> I, I, I definitely think he's a 10. Um, which is interesting because, to your point, when... He started at United uh, under Van Gaal. He occupied a wide position, like you mentioned there. And then if we go out through throughout his reign, um, even in Van Gaal's second season, where he really you know became a genuine part of the first team, he played. He occupied a wide right position. So at that time, I would have thought, oh, we got ourselves a right winger here. Um, but his best return, which was under Mourinho, he played in the number ten position. And then you have to look at. The big games where he was utilised, you then look at what he's gone on to do at West Ham most recently. His best and most consistent football has come from behind the striker. So I think while he can occupy a wide spot, his best position undoubtedly is through the middle. Well, I think it's an interesting one where you bring up the comparison earlier in the pod about one matter, almost similar sort of build and that physicality aspect to their game. With Jesse Lingard, which I would probably tend to agree is a number 10 in an ideal scenario. One matter is a number 10. But so often in these in these big clubs, these mm. number 10 players at the big clubs, unfortunately, are pushed out wide. Um, I think understandably so at times, but also unfairly at times because um, they're an easy option. It was almost Paul Scholes had the same thing with when he went on England duty. Um, Frank Lampard and Stephen Gerrard were the more physical of the two players, so they played them in the middle and they shifted skulls wide. And I feel Jesse Lingard has suffered with that as well as one matter, which we'll get into one matter at some stage in the future in regards to his positioning, has never played or has never had a consistent period of playing the number 10. And I think that Jesse Lingard did have good attributes to sort of play out wide, whether it be on the left or the right. 
But ultimately, do you think we've, we've had this discussion with Rashford and Martial, Greenwood, etc. Mm. Do you think Lingard's progression was ultimately sort of a, sort of hampered by being versatile and not really being able to nail down a spot for whatever reason? Uh, I don't think so. Because when he had a good run of consistency, he was in the team. I think the drop or where the penny dropped for Lingard... Well, oh, well, I shouldn't say penny drop. That's news more in a positive sense. I think where the frustration came for Lingard is when he had a consistently inconsistent patch of form. Um, he he just had a period toward the end, which I'm sure we'll get into, where he just he fell off badly. Um, I don't think it was a positional thing because the way he played, even when he occupied a wide spot, he he did tend to float centrally, much like one Mata does. Um, I think the difference between those two is one Mata gives you a level of performance. His worst game is still a six out of ten. When Lingard was off, my goodness, Tom, did you know it? And I think that's ultimately what costed him his position at United. Well, just on Lingard, and not so much his positioning, but his attributes, and I say this completely as a positive because it was a huge strength for me, but also I feel it was kind of just thrown out in a sort of lazily way. It's sort of some, If anyone just wanted to say something that they wanted to sound smart, they would say it. However, it was correct in what they were saying, but I think no one truly, or, or obviously people do truly know what they mean, but it was, a, it was a word bandied about his off-the-ball movement was his main strength. I said, oh, he's only in the team because he's got off-the-ball movement. And some people use that as, a, again, a pro, which it obviously was, but some used it as a con saying, well, you should be offering more than just movement off the ball. So I'll come to you because I've sort of got an example, which you just use the term there, the penny dropped. The penny dropped once with myself in almost off-the-ball movement when I was playing. But I'll go to you first in regards to that, saying what was off-the-ball movement for you? What did you find in his game that was so important to the team because he wasn't that player who sort of all eyes are on and who's going to put it in the top corner but when he was playing well managers did love him and that often does come down to the things you don't see when you're watching the game on the tv yeah i think with lingard initially it wasn't his off the ball movement i actually liked the what he did on the ball if you actually can think of what he did when he broke into the team it was his how direct he was very good with the ball good dribbler um and his passing was really good, not in terms of range of passing or anything like that, but you could see he was an intelligent footballer. He was thinking about what he actually did uh, before he did it. And th- like those are the sorts of players that I personally do enjoy watching. Um, but that's what initially caught the eye. I think the off the ball, while it sounded lazy, and, and you're right, Tom, but it did become lazy. I think it was someone heard it once and it just became this thing that everyone began to say without actually knowing what it meant. What Lingard does so well when we talk, and I'm not going to say that use the term off the ball. I actually want to talk about what he does so well, and it it was really evident in the bigger games. The when we, when you, you know, he became synonymous with Arsenal away. Um, every time I felt we went to the Emirates, he killed it. the The reason he was so effective in those bigger games is because. He occupied positions that created space for others. That's what good players do. And I think that's that was the ultimate compliment I think you can give a player. Because if you think of who we have, this season it's improved. But if you can think of what's been the criticism of Manchester United post-Fergie, it's particularly under Van Gaal, God, I'll, I'll never forget that boring football. It was, we look stagnant. Jesse Lingard broke that mould. His ability to move would give defenders something to think about. So that's probably the ultimate compliment I can give him. Can we also say he was a scorer of important goals? Um, If you want to talk about the FA Cup final, you want to talk about Mourinho's second season particularly, he scored in big games. And 
that goes against this narrative of he's not a big game player, he's rubbish, etc. He knew how to deliver. When he was on, he performed in big matches. Yeah, no, definitely. And you make a good point there in regards to the, the positions he took up, which was a huge thing for me in regards to that debate of off-the-ball movement. And I remember just the term there you used earlier saying when the penny dropped. A big moment for me in my playing career when um, some of our older listeners might know a player, Jason Van Blerk, he used to play for the Socceroos and Manchester City. At the end of his career, I, I spent three or four years playing with him. And like Lingard, I was a central midfielder, but sometimes when I played with him, I was unfortunately shifted out wide. And once he had the ball and he wanted me to make a run, and I knew the pass wasn't for me, but I'm thinking, I've got to make a 30-yard run here, and I know he doesn't want to play me the pass. He wants just me to take someone away. And I thought nothing of it. We're 2-0 up, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to make that run. It's shit, but I'm not going to get the ball, and I'm not just not doing it. He ultimately turned away, played somewhere else. Two minutes later at halftime, he gave me a spray, and he was a very verbal player, if some of our older listeners can remember. I'll never forget it. The way he just drilled me in the change room saying, that was effing lazy. That's a disgrace. You have to make that run for me, even if you're not getting the ball. And it really did stick with me. And I look back at Jesse Lingard's time, and so often he's just making a run. And I don't want to say a pointless run or just a need, or a, he's not really thinking behind it. But the value in moving, the value especially in moving behind and stretching a defense, if you just make a run in behind, the defenders have to follow you. If they don't follow you, well, you're in on goal. And if the defender does follow you, well, that does create space for someone else. And Jesse Lingard, I think that is why managers so often did pick with, did pick him and often persist with him. We did see Solskjaer sort of persist with him, even though he's out of form, is because we we as fans watch the game. We watch is what's happening on the ball and watch the goals and the passes and everything. But a manager is watching every single thing, and his selfless running was so crucial to the team. I remember when Ryan Giggs was um, talking, he did a report once talking about when he was doing his coaching badges. And a huge part of the coaching assessment when you're doing your badges is when you're doing the drill, you need to stop it and correct it. And he was doing one with one of the Man United youth teams and Jesse Lingard was playing in the number 10 position. And he was saying it was so hard because I couldn't really stop the drill because what I had in my mind in terms of the next implementation of the drill was to fix what the number 10 was doing wrong. But Jesse Lingard was doing it so well, it was hard for me as a coach to really stop the drill and correct it. And I think that is why, or would you agree in terms of the managers, or did they, they love Mourinho. You look at Mourinho as such a tactical manager, he loved Jesse Lingard. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that, I don't want to loop them in, and it's funny because they're so different. You look at their stature. So someone might be listening to this podcast thinking, I'm a complete moron. But the same the same who valued Jesse Lingard are the same who actually valued Maran Fellaini. Um, and that was because they had that tactical flexibility. You could give them instructions, and they could execute it to a T. Now, obviously, very different. And what they brought to a team, again, very different. But... I think there's something to say that uh, uh, what you're saying is spot on. Who were the two managers who adored those two players? Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho. Both of them tactical, like both of them are tacticians and known for being tacticians. So I think that's a very fair compliment. Yeah, definitely. And you just mentioned, we'll go into sort of some moments. You mentioned the Arsenal moments, but I think when Jesse Lingard springs, especially for me, is the FA Cup final goal. Now, I remember when we did the Anthony Martial podcast last week or the other week, I was saying that semi-final goal was almost bigger for me in terms of the celebration. But f- forget about that argument. At the end of the day, I'm taking absolutely nothing away from Jesse Lingard in extra time in an FA Cup final to put it in the top corner. 
that is where, when we'll get into his, sort of the criticisms of Jesse Lingard and his loss of form later on in his career, in, at his time at United, and the abuse he was getting, I never felt com- I never, I'm never comfortable with abuse of any player, but especially with him because I don't care what he did, he could do anything. He, he could come and light a fire on my house. I do not care. He's put a FA Cup final winner in the top corner at Wembley. Whatever he does, he goes down in history for me. And that's why I felt so uncomfortable with the abuse he was getting because I don't want to say okay, he goes legendary status, but for me he's awfully close to it because we're going to look back in 50, 60 years at that moment and think, oh my God, what did we just witness? That's That never happens. Not just that, the nature of the goal. It was it was the technique. It was a, it was a damn volley. And not to mention, we were down a 10. Like, in, like the, you can't give an ultimate compliment more than that. Like, you can't make a story more appealing or more, you know, overcoming the odds than that. Like, what United did in that FA Cup final was truthfully phenomenal. And I think in the context of the season it is probably why... I think there's a number of reasons why it's not valued, Tom. And I guess, let me ask you, why isn't that? Why isn't Lingard remembered for that? Do you think it's a little bit of because the season overall was so overwhelming? Do you think the... In imminent sacking of Louis van Gaal um, hung over him. What do you think it was? Because it's so strange. I just don't feel like the modern United fan really gives Lingard the respect he deserves. It could, in fact, be social media. Is it that we've got a younger fan base now who, when you look on Twitter, just perhaps don't appreciate those moments anymore? Yeah, I don't think it's whether it be a football thing or a Man United thing. I'm not quite sure, but so many fans... Yeah, they, they they view the game differently. They, they live and breathe the game differently. In terms of the, those moments, the moment for us is the goal at Wembley, winning an FA Cup final. However, the moment for so many fans now on Twitter and YouTube is a sacking of a manager, which just happened, was the hiring of the manager the next week, is signing Paul Pogba a few weeks after that. They're the moments they live for. That, that, that is what gets them traction. That's what gets clicks. That's what sort of get, gets excitement for them. I'm not, look, I, would, I will criticise them for that, but that's who they are, so I, I can't really criticise them. Mm. But for football fans and people who've grown up supporting Man United, okay, that's great, that's exciting, that's dramatic. But at the end of the day, it's Man United and football. And yes, the, for us, it's the goal. It's the moment. But for them, the big drama on the day was, is Louis van Gaal going to get sacked? If he gets sacked, who's our new manager? Can we announce Jose Mourinho? Who's Jose Mourinho going to sign? That's where they get their thrills from. Mm. And unfortunately, that's quite sad. Yeah. But you just mentioned there, which we've just been talking about, the Wembley goal. A few weeks later, Jesse Lingard obviously stepped up at Wembley again under Jose Mourinho and scored a great solo goal in the Community Shield um, to, to win the Community... Or it was contributed to winning the Community Shield. But then also a few months later, it would have been in February in the League Cup final, um, another very good goal against Southampton to ultimately, again, contribute to winning the League Cup against Southampton. Mate, just back to what I said earlier, he was a scorer in big games. That's why I'm not comfortable with the narrative around Jesse Lingard. I think there needs to be more respect on the Englishman's name because you don't score in finals... And look, you can call the Charity Shield whatever you want. At the end of the day, no one can take that away. You you go through the record books. He won trophies in matches where he also scored goals. And I think that showed he was a big game player. Um, You know, a moment we haven't spoken about, which you asked, you know, what do you think of when you think of Jesse Lingard and his ability or lack thereof? Can we just put that to bed? Do you remember his sole effort against Watford? That was ridiculous. Um, It got linked to... Oh, I got compared to what Ryan Giggs did against Arsenal in the FA Cup. 
in the treble season. But what Lingard did there, like that, that you, you don't score goals like that without ability. Sure, it was bad defending by Watford. No one takes away from that. But you can't score a goal like that unless you have ability. Well, that was right in the middle from memory. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but right in the middle of a real purple patch under Jose Mourinho. Yeah. I remember a goal against Everton at the time. I remember a back flick against Burnley. I think I might only have saved a point, but it was a crucial goal where we needed a goal, so they threw Jesse. I think Jesse Lingard might have scored a double that day. I forget, but that Watford goal was almost the real culmination of that season for him. He was just almost unplayable. I think he must have got player of the month a few times, etc., and um, just back, not going back through the whole off-the-ball movement debate we just had, but in regards to Jose Mourinho, why was it? Like, from a personal thing, you'd almost you'd think two personalities that might clash because you'd say Jesse Lingard has a similar personality to Paul Pogba, and we saw how that went with Pogba and Mourinho. But Mourinho did love Jesse Lingard. I'm just thinking, why do you think, from more so instead of the tactical side, mm. from a personal thing, why do you think it worked for Mourinho and Lingard? I think with Mourinho... Specifically, and I'll I'll compromise this, not compromise. I'll, I'll compress the, this story. Um, I think with Mourinho, he really struggles to man manage players who like to get on the ball and like to take a risk. I think that's really important because um, if you think of who did Mourinho have issues with, and even going outside of United, Eden Hazard, Cristiano Ronaldo, Paul Pogba, Anthony Martial. It goes on. Um, uh, Tungay and Dombele. Tottenham. What do all these players have in common? They're risk takers. Not afraid to put a ball in the top of the net, but also won't really be too bothered if it goes into Rosette. What Jesse Lingard had and what he had in Jesse Lingard and what Mourinho really thrived upon was the player who perhaps wasn't the most talented, but believed that, but because of that, knew that they would put in 110% in terms of effort. And while it's not necessarily fair or accurate, I think that when a player is more talented, like your Anthony Martial's, like your Paul Pogba, even if they are putting in 110%, they can give off an image as if that they're not because they rely on their talent. I think with Jesse Lingard, while he was such a good player, like we just spoke about with the Watford goal, he obviously wasn't, you know, he wasn't the most talented player in the squad and that's why he was a late bloomer. I think we, because of that, Mourinho knew he could maximise Lingard and, and to say, you know, you can put an arm around him. I'm going to choose you every week because you, you put in the work rate. And I think that boosts Lingard's confidence. With a player like Paul Pogba, he's applying the shackles. He wants him to play within himself. And I think while they could be similar in terms of personalities, Mourinho's, a, a, um, Mourinho's way of managing both of those personalities was completely different. Yeah, no, definitely. Well said. And off the back of that season, and it's funny we're recording this during the Euros and so much debate is around England, but off the back of that season, Jesse Lingard goes off to the World Cup and not just goes to the World Cup with England, but is starting. He's scoring goals. He scored a banger. I forget who it was against. I think it was one of the easiest. Panama, was it? But again, he's put one in the top corner in a World Cup, but he was in the England number seven. And I'm just thinking, I don't want to say a fall from grace, but you do look where he was in 2018. He was a main man for England. I think it was him and Deli Ali were almost almost the golden boys of English English football at the time. Yeah. And um, it's just, I wouldn't say sad now, but you do look at those that sort of position in the England team now. And you're looking at Sancho, Rashford, Grealish, Mount, like Phil Foden, the, the options are endless. And Jesse Lingard, while had a storming end of the season and was close to getting into the Euro squad, he seems a world away from that team now. Um, look, I don't think he's a world away. I don't think you've seen him play his last game for England. I think he will get his opportunity again in the future. But 
I think he's just come through an unlucky period for him because after that World Cup and what you what you're saying spot on, he had a phenomenal World Cup. The pro the problem for Jesse Lingard is prior to January two thousand and twenty one, he hasn't come back. Like, and I think that's the, that's the issue, and I mean that in the most respectful way. His dip off was phenomenal. I know there's a bunch of circumstances that have contributed to that. I know he's come out and openly spoken about some of the struggles he's had to deal with in his personal life. But yeah, after what was such a phenomenal World Cup and after such a positive season for United, his best return to date, um, and then having such a good World Cup that they get to the semis, he just he's just really struggled ever since he got the loan to West Ham, hasn't he? Well, before we get into his move to West Ham to wrap up the podcast, we'll touch on, obviously, we've talked about a lot of sort of highlights and pros to his time at United, but we will look at sort of where it went wrong, and we won't go into his personal life because all players have personal struggles, and Jesse Lingard has been very brave to speak about his and has obviously played a part in sort of that dip in form that he did suffer. But regardless of the personal life thing, I want to sort of focus on, and you can say, oh, is this sort of lazy and is this sort of stereotypical of sort of the young sort of English player, but there was a lot of criticism regarding his branding and his sort of social media presence. And I remember Gary Neville was just before it was it was just before Mourinho was sacked, I think. Um, it might have been that season. Jesse Lingard released a clothing brand or updated his clothing brand, etc. And we, we lost to Liverpool and that might have been the game Jesse Lingard, uh, Jose Mourinho lost his job. I forget if that was the season or the season before. But the point stands where Gary Neville says, you can release a clothing brand, that's fine. Not the week before Liverpool. Do it at home at home against West Brom. Don't do it the week before Liverpool. Even if it doesn't distract you at all, just don't give the perception that it might distract you to the public. And I'm just thinking, do you think it did play a part? into Because he, he does have a big social media presence and did have sort of interests outside of football. Do you think that plays a part or, or would have played a part in his sort of dip in form? I don't think so. I, I kind of... I feel a little bit bad for Jesse Lingard because... No matter when he did that, like, let's be real here, right? And I, I love Gary Neville. But was there ever going to be a right time to release his brand? Like, let's be real. Well, well I think the right time is... Look, yes, I completely agree. But I do have to stand by Gary Neville there saying, not the week before Liverpool. Do it when you've got a guaranteed three-pointer. And again, United at the time, there was no guaranteed three-pointers. But yes, do it when there's no news. Do it West Brom at home or Norwich at home or Burnley at home. Away at Liverpool when your manager's under huge pressure... Yes, you can say, okay, even if it didn't distract Jesse Lingard at all, it's just stupidity at the highest level. Yeah, look, that's fair. Um, I, I take that point, and I'm not defending him there. I just, you know, I just, I don't, I feel like no matter what he did, he was going to get criticised because of what was happening at the club already. You know, Mourinho was under pressure, like you've already mentioned. But yeah, look, it, I don't think it deterred away from his football. But you could also say, look, the only person who could answer this question is Jesse Lingard. And if we have the opportunity to interview him, it's a question I'd definitely ask. But I can't imagine, and I guess, Tom, let me ask you, um, you know, obviously you, you didn't make the Premier League, but you played for an English side and you, you were progressing through. When, when you're coming through the ranks and football is your sole focus, how easy is it to get distracted from the outside world? So I guess I, I can ask you that because you were still in a setup of, of a a top English club. So you can still give us the insights of, you know, playing football at a decent level. Could it have been a distraction? Because if I, if I'm thinking about it, 
Actually, no, it could it could very well be because if that, if that, if you're focusing on a big game that you've got in the back of your mind, oh, I've got this launch happening, it's my first ever business and I hope it goes successful, I'm expecting a return and got to organize stock, etc. Surely that's a distraction. I think, I'll, and look, I can never compare myself to that level like in terms of the, it's a full-time job for him, etc. And you're talking different types of money. So I can never put myself in the Lingard shoes and say, oh, this is what he would have been feeling. Definitely, obviously nowhere near that level. But in terms of people do have things to balance in their personal life, whether it be work. People, You look at Sunday league football. When you go to training on a Thursday, you get home from work at 5 o'clock, you might not feel great, you have to go to training and you're going to be fully committed. Players at that level do have the same things. Now, the challenges they face seem a lot more trivial because you think, well, do you need a clothing brand? What's it just going to add a couple of extra zeros to your bank account? Do you really need that where someone else who was facing a challenge before their game on a Saturday might be having to think about, well, can I put in, can I have enough money on the weekend to put enough food on the table? So there are different challenges. And ultimately, it's how, you, how that individual will deal with things in their life, whether they can put things to the side and focus and whether they can't, whether they sort of take other people's problems on, which you look at Jesse Lingard's story, he did seem to sort of take on responsibility with his family and certain challenges they did have. And I think that is where he maybe struggled a bit more. It wasn't so much the sort of trivial off-field distractions. It was the the personal life thing, the, okay, I've got a daughter now I need to take care of. I need to help my mother out. And those are the things that for a young man, he might have maybe struggled with more than um, sort of those sort of trivial clothing brands, social media hashtags, etc. Yeah, I think that's a that, that's a fair point. And I, I, look, I guess we'll never know. Um, but, you know, for what Lingard has come out and already said about the struggles he's dealt with, look, I think without going into it too much, that undoubtedly I think any player would struggle with what he had going on. So, look, in saying... In saying that, um, I think it's probably a, the way he's getting into West Ham will be good because what he's now going on to prove in terms of his ability, um, I think that's shut some people up. Well, we'll definitely go on to West Ham in a bit. We'll just quickly touch on Facebook and Twitter comments. We just put a post up. What did people think of sort of? Well, what do people think of Jesse Lingard's time at United and his career so far? And Rob goes, a great player that's had a very up-and-down career, academy product who won us the FA Cup. I'll always respect him for that, but I think it's best that he moves on now. Um, John on Twitter, Jesse needs to fall in love with football again. Unfortunately, I don't think that can happen at United, so obviously does think a move away, maybe to West Ham, probably does suit him the best. Vin goes, I've been following his career before he broke into the first team. He has his ups and his downs like every other human being, and this guy has definitely had it on and off the pitch. I've never seen him not give 100% on the pitch, and his off-the-ball movements are better than most Premier League players. I sincerely wish he gets another chance at United because he does bring that X factor and sometimes a plan B to the team. Also, Elliot on Facebook, he's a fan favourite, and although I think it's best that he moves, I think all United fans wish him the best. And I hope, look, there was a, it did become very almost a toxic atmosphere, as I mentioned with Jesse Lingard. He did get a lot of abuse, but I'm glad that West Ham move, which did give a bit of a spark, and he did almost become sort of loved again. Hopefully, people sort of forget about those couple. And obviously, real football fan or real United fans sort of don't don't hang on those few months where it did get a little bit bad. They obviously do respect him, but hopefully, those ones who did turn um, do see a bit of maturity and do see a little bit of light, and um, yeah, do go on to wish him the best. And finally, George 
says, while he wasn't the most talented player, we can't forget the big moments he stepped up in. I believe his future is away from United, and we should use his recent form as a way to get a decent fee for him. When he leaves, he should be remembered in a positive manner. And I'll just go to you, Larry, to wrap up the podcast. Moving on to West Ham, he's obviously fantastic there since he arrived. I think he scored his first couple of games. He kept scoring goals. He couldn't stop. He ended up winning a player of the month. As we said, recalled into the England squad for a period of time, almost made the Euros. But in terms of his future, one, do you think it is at West Ham or away from United? But also, if we want to start looking at a business point of view and looking at the transfer window, are West Ham able to do a deal for Jesse Lingard or are United going to say, well, you're not really going to give us what we want for him? Uh, it comes down to what United are demanding for him. Um, after the season he's had, I think to demand like that 15 to 17 million pound mark, I, I think that would be fair. If you look at what what other players are going in the market and you know we've been linked to the likes of Varane um, and you've seen Paul Pogba has got a year left and obviously Lingard's not as valuable as those players but I think looking at what he can do and what he can produce and given what he's achieved in his career I think I think United should hold out for a, a 15 to 17 million pound fee if we can't get that though, which I think in this day a club like West Ham or any club, but let's say West Ham are the most interested, I think they can get a deal done for 15, 17 million. What they do with United in regards to his wages, if they can afford that or if United have to subsidise that or take it off the transfer fee, I'm not sure. But should United be holding out for more? Because you do look at another player in his position. Let's say, I assume he's a little bit younger, but you look at James Madison. Mm. He's on the, I wouldn't say on the verge of a move to Arsenal, but hotly touted to go to Arsenal for, I don't know, James Madison. We were talking at United, he was going to cost 90 million. So let's say he goes to Arsenal, you'd be looking at 60, 70 million. And I'm just thinking, well, are United from a business point of view, we, we, we do demand the club go and spend all this money. Well, they do need to recoup some money. And if we're only going to settle for 15, 20 million for Jesse Lingard, is that the right thing when, if we were to go and buy Jesse Lingard from a West Ham, we'd have to pay $50 million for him? Yeah, I know. But that's that's the punishment of being a big club. And you know what? It's funny. I feel like it only happens to United. Um, you know, When you see Real Madrid selling a player, Bayern Munich selling a player, it never seems to come for the cheap, does it? But for United, for Manchester United, for whatever reason, when we sell a player, it's always for less. And I think that's probably the nature of it. And it's a sign of the bad recruitment that the club have done post-Fergie. Um, but look, well, obviously, that, that's a conversation for another day. But I think, look, if United can't get that 15 to 17 million fee, if they needed to subsidise his wages, it honestly might be worth saying, you know what, we've got a talented player here. Touch wood, should anything happen to Bruno Fernandes? Obviously, completely different players. But I think there's a, there is an opportunity to utilise a player like Jesse Lingard in the squad. In fact, if you look at our team, who offers what Jesse Lingard offers? He, he offers, he's completely different. And I think, now, do you get the same sort of form that you saw out of Jesse Lingard at United? I don't think you do because I think he needs to play consistently. I saw one of the comments there was, Jesse Lingard needs to fall in love with football again. I think he's found that love at West Ham. But that's because he's starting every game. I don't think he gets that at United. So whether you get that output or not, I think that's the question mark. Yeah, no, very well said. Now, look, completely agree, but just to finish up the podcast, okay, that's what you think certain scenarios could play out. What do you think will happen? Do you think United will end up doing business with a club? Or if you were to put your money on it, could you see a situation where Jesse Lingard's a Man United player um, at the start of the season? I think he's leaving. Um, 
I can't see a situation where he stays. I think he's, yes, he's at the Lowry Hotel, but that's because he's a Manchester United contract. Uh, he's got the contract under Manchester United. And while ever they try and work out what's best for Jesse Lingard, he'll just keep his head down. He is a professional. Um, and I think, but I, I imagine, Tom, we've seen the last of him in the United shirt. I think it's time for Pastors New, whether that's at West Ham or another club. Yeah, definitely. Well, I do say unfortunately, but yeah, I do hope he goes, but obviously for the right reasons. I do have a lot of respect for Jesse Lingard. As I said, um, in terms of he could do anything, he scored a final, he scored the FA Cup winner um, and put it in the top corner. So he d- does do it go down in history for me, and um, I do wish him the best. I, I do hope a move to West Ham because it is that club where he can be that sort of main player, mm. but it's not at a club where... Well, look, who knows what could happen at West Ham. I, I could never see them in a relegation battle after the season they just had. In saying that, it's West Ham. You could almost bet your money that they'll be in a relegation battle. But I do wish him the best um, in his future, um, whether it be at West Ham or Manchester United. But there's another good another good episode, another good instalment of the story so far. That is Anthony Martial, Luke Shaw and Jesse Lingard. Um, off the top of your head, which one was your favourite out of the three we've done so far, mate? Ooh, um, it's a tricky one, to be honest. I think I've actually really enjoyed this chat. Um, the Martial one was good um, for obvious reasons, but I think the... Yeah, I'd probably have to say Martial, um, and I'm only saying that because I think he's the one with the most unknown. Um, he's the player where there's definite upside to say he should stay, but there's definitely also a reason to say, well, you could also see him going. Um, so I think I'm I'm most interested to see what the... When the next time we do a, the story so far with Anthony Martial, what are we talking about? Is it a player who leaves United after under a cloud, or is it a player who goes on to instill his United legacy, whatever that may be? Um, that's the only reason. I think all have been good, obviously, and the Lingard one's been good, and and even to say the Luke Shaw story, because for what Luke Shaw's had to overcome, and can we just say, I know we're not really focusing on the Euros so much, but... There is an argument now to say Luke Shaw is the best fullback in the world. Seriously, like it's not, and it's not outrageous to say anymore. I think what he's produced in the Euros since he's come into that English side, it's he has to be in that debate. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, you see all the memes of Shawberto Carlos, and even Roberto Carlos um, commented on his Instagram post saying, "Well done." So, um, look, I think it's a big stretch, but in terms of in the in the argument in the debate, you definitely have to put him in there, and. Um, it was good to see United almost ran that show for England against Ukraine with um, Luke Shaw assisting two goals, Harry Maguire getting a goal, and obviously the new boy, um, we, who we can actually describe as a Man United player now, Jadon Sancho, I thought was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he was. Can I say, watching England is the most, it's the weirdest feeling in the world because I find myself celebrating Harry Maguire's goal, then I find myself, I see Jordan Henderson scoring and I'm swearing at the TV screen. So, yeah, it, that's a genuine love-hate relationship. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, hopefully everyone, as we said, did enjoy the, the latest instalment. Um, don't, not sure who we'll do next. Um, thank God we don't have to do a tribute episode to one matter, that he has signed his contract extension, but that will definitely be one we do in a year's time. But um, in the comments below, whether I'll be on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter, do let us know which player you think would be good to do next. But um, our next episode is episode 200, which is crazy. Um, likely would just be a normal episode. We'll discuss whatever the goings on are, but we are working hard on getting a guest um, on for that one. Fingers crossed he's available. If not, we'll get him on in a couple of episodes' time. But um, 200 episodes. Thank you very much for all our listeners, of course. Um, we very truly appreciate it, both Larry and I do. 
Uh, make sure you subscribed on your podcast app and follow us on all the social medias at UTD Pubcast. Larry, until then, um, enjoy the semi-finals of the Euros. Quick prediction: England, Denmark. Who's going through? I think I think the English got it, got it in the bag. Um, and what the interesting one though has to be Italy, Spain. Who's going through there? Like that's that's the tricky one to predict. Yeah, well, we'll, do, well I think next next podcast, we'll, I'm sure there'll be a transfer story to discuss, but we'll maybe sort of review the England Denmark match and Italy Spain, and sort of the United twist on it. Because as I said, United are starting to run the show for England, and long may it continue until well, they're either crashing exit against Denmark or their triumph against Italy or Spain. We'll see. But until then, hopefully everyone has a good couple of days, and we'll chat to you in a bit. Cheers.